Welcome back to another episode of the Balance with Sam podcast. I am so, so happy you're here. My name is Sam, if you don't know that already, and I'm going to be giving you mindset shifts to lose weight so you can become the most confident and unstoppable version of yourself in work and life. Seriously, I'm just going to be giving you doses of realness and reminders of how badass you already are. And so I'm really excited that you're spending time here and I appreciate you and love you so much. Now let's dive into the episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to another episode of the Balance with Sam podcast. On today's episode, I have one of my new, I guess new, yeah, new friends who is an absolute beauty inside and out. We just recently hosted a live event together and her story is very similar to mine and I wanted to have her on the show um, to really just talk about the stuff we struggle with, share her journey. Um, and really just, you guys are going to freaking love her. I want to welcome Izzy to the show, Izzy Atkinson, and she is amazing. Hi, Izzy. I'm so happy you're here. Hi. I am so, so excited to be doing this together. I'm really, really excited. Yeah, me too. I think after like hosting our first or my first live event and you've hosted some events before, I was like, damn, I love Izzy. Like we just, we just have the vibe, you know, like that energy. And so yes. to, to kind of get on here and have a conversation and just like share the world <laughs> with you. So Yay. for everyone that doesn't know you, um, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are, what you're up to these days? Yeah. Um, so again, my name is Izzy. I am based in Boston. I am currently a fitness instructor at two different studios. I'm also a personal trainer. I am a project manager by daytime. Um, and I'm also the founder of this local initiative called the Wildflower Project, which encourages um, women to come together in a community setting to talk about different topics like body image, mental health, um, and a wide range of topics. So that's like currently what I'm up to these days. I love it. Oh, yeah. And I think like, I think your story, like I want to dig into it in a second, but I think your story has inspired me to even be more open about my story in a certain sense. Like hearing you talk about what you've gone through and, you know, even everything that we shared at the live event and really digging into some of like the, you know, past beliefs and all that stuff was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, like it gave me permission to speak even more so to mine. So I just want to thank you also. Uh, I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So let's, let's kind of like dig in a little bit. Um, I know that we, we have, we've talked about like you and I, like your kind of like how you grew up and um, all associations with like identity and body image and self-worth and stuff. Um, What was that like, like growing up? Can you kind of talk us through childhood and what it meant to, to grow up in, in that, you know, circumstance? Yeah. Um, So, you know, family wise, like I grew up with a very like, nor, you know, quote unquote, normal family life. you know, my mother was always telling me, oh, I'm so beautiful, like my whole life. So that was always there in a a good way. Um, But I remember when I got to middle school and the high school time, um, 
all the attention I was getting was around like my image, whether it would be positive or negative. It was solely about my image versus like who I am as a person. Am I smart? Am I good at sports? Like none of those things really mattered. I felt I got a lot of attention around my body. Um, so naturally that started to shift a weird dynamic with my worth and my body image. I always felt, you know, this very high expectation for perfectionism in my mind, whatever that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, at a young age, you know, I was in a relationship that wasn't really positive. And so layering that with, um, you know, negative circumstances in a relationship that are definitely not lifting me up um, about who I am or my body, I kind of just made for a big storm, I would say. Um, and so when I was in high school, I started really dealing with my body dysmorphia. I didn't really know what it was at the time. I just knew that I was seeing something that was so not what other people would see me as. Definitely, literally thinking I was like larger than I was because I was actually my smallest in high school. Um, you know, super obsessed with the scale, super obsessed with the size of my jeans. Um, you know, always had to be in a zero. I remember like always thinking that like, oh, can I get in the double zero? Um, and so that's also when my parents, uh, encouraged me to go to therapy. So, and was like officially diagnosed, um, with body dysmorphia disorder when I was in high school. Yeah. For so people listening, if they don't started. know what that is, or like, can you talk a little bit about that or, um, whatever? yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it can definitely manifest in different ways for people, but generally speaking, you know, body dysmorphia disorder is that you're, you have a disordered viewpoint of your body. And on top of that, you weigh so much of really everything on how your body looks and feels. So for me, it wasn't just so much even just seeing that I thought I was bigger and feeling like if I didn't look or feel the size I was supposed to in my mind that it was a bad day, but I would like physically obsess about touching different areas. So like all day long, I'd be making sure like, you know, I'd like brush my stomach with my shirts, like make sure it felt flat. Um, so it manifests also in physical ways where you're constantly like obsessing about, okay, is my stomach flat right now? Are my jeans still fitting the way I want them to? Um, but again, it's a disordered way of thinking and, um, it, again, it can manifest in different ways, but for me, it was definitely yeah. a lot of physical and judging in the mirror. For sure. When, when you were like officially diagnosed, was it, did it give you any relief or like, what was the emotions that came up after realizing that it, there was something going on that like maybe didn't feel right? Mm-hmm. I remember like knowing there was definitely something off. Like I knew the way I felt about myself was not normal, especially because, and I say this like in the least narcissistic way, but I was a lot, at a young age, I looked more mature than my age. I got a lot of attention for my appearance. So I knew there was something wrong because like I did not feel the way people would look at me or compliment me at all. Mm. I mean, people just thought, you know, oh my God, her life's so great because she's like, thin and beautiful and that's never how I was feeling and so I remember thinking I just don't feel the way that like external people are seeing me and that seems odd and when I was diagnosed I don't even want to say I felt necessarily relief I felt challenged like I was like great I have I just knew like I had a road ahead of me whatever this meant 
Mm-hmm. And obviously at the time, you know, my God, that was so long ago that I had no idea what that robe was going to look like. But I remember feeling at the, in the time, overwhelmed and challenged about what was going to be ahead of me. Yeah, for sure. What was the first step that you took after that? Um, so when I, so this was, you know, middle to end of high school and to be frank, I really didn't take any initial steps. I was seeing my therapist. I've been seeing her for over 15 years. I mean, I I absolutely love her. Um, I was consistent with seeing her, but I continued to stay in my very unhealthy relationship. Um, and you know, when you're young and in those circumstances, they, that's when your, your brain is growing. So many different things are happening in your actual body. So I had a really hard time getting out of that situation. When I went to college, I was able to kind of see the bigger picture. I was in a new environment. And I thought to myself, you know what, like, I'm going to get out of this relationship. I'm going to try and become who I want to be, whoever that was. Mm-hmm. And so for a few years, I was able to manage um, my body dysmorphia disorder a lot, actually. And I think part of that was because I wasn't in a relationship. There wasn't like this pressure mm-hmm. on, on myself of this like perfect body, which again, was pressure I created on my own, but it wasn't there. Um, and so I was able to, for the first few years of college, kind of just distract myself from the challenges I was facing, um, until I got a little later into college when it definitely manifested full circle again. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that, that shift that happened? Like maybe also maybe talk about some of the, you said like coping mechanisms or whatever. Can you talk a little bit about that and then maybe your transition into that next phase? Yeah, I think, you know, as a lot of people do in college. I mean, the first two years I was like partying all the time and was just in a very different space. Like my priorities truthfully were just like, live it up, go out with my girlfriend. Um, I was definitely partying a lot. To this day, I don't know if my amount of partying was dealing with anything or not, but, um, and I did fall off of therapy during that time. I was very much like, I want to live my college life and be whatever. Mm-hmm. Then I remember going to a doctor's appointment. This was, I think, going into my um, junior year of college, like my physical. And I hadn't even cared, truthfully, the first few years of college, what my body looked like. You know, I was eating whatever I wanted. It wasn't working out. And I remember being so, seeing a number on the scale I never even thought would ever ever be possible for someone like me who had been you know teeny teeny tiny and weight obsessed and it like triggered this like beast inside of me I was I mean I left the doctor's appointment in tears and like I hired a trainer the next day um at the gym that was near my college and I started becoming very obsessive with um controlling my eating habits and working out. So that started to manifest full circle and like really obsessive working out, mm-hmm. um, constant. I mean, I like never gave myself a break and I was constantly like, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. How am I going to lose the weight? I need the weight to stay off. Um, so when I lost the weight, you know, I was obviously feeling great, but realistically I wasn't in a healthy mental space. I was punishing my body essentially. Yeah. And then at that time, Um, I got into another relationship that ended up being extremely, extremely unhealthy for me. 
um, in a similar situation where really all the value in that relationship was based off of my appearance. Um, so much weight was weighted on how I looked. And that just obviously brought me into a very, very old, like vicious cycle with myself. Yeah. Would, would you be open to sharing like what that was, what that experience was like in the relationship? Like some examples maybe that you could remember of real, like maybe moments when you realized, wow. Yeah. It's just, well, I think, I think the two scenarios that stick out to me in both the bad relationships I had been in before is like the only thing ever positive spoken about me was my appearance like two other people. So let's say you're like dating a guy and they're like talking about you and it's just like, oh, she's so beautiful or oh, she's so hot. Like there was never anything of substance ever about me. And I was never paid attention to anything of substance about me. So it really was never about, in my opinion, actually learning who I am, my interests, what I have to offer as a human being. So there was that. And then on top of it, I was in situations where, um, you know, in both of these scenarios, you know, being cheated on, which obviously is going to affect most people in some way. And for me, it, it weighed very much on how I, I was like, oh, I'm not, you know, I, I've gained weight. I'm not like attractive. Like that must be the reason why. And also that those scenarios of really being treated like you're worthless. And again, I valued all of my worth on my appearance. So when I'm being made to feel like I have nothing to offer and I don't deserve love and I don't deserve to have good things in my life, my weight and my body, it's like, I always went back to that. And it was also something that I was able to control. Mm -hmm. So when everything else felt uncontrollable, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. this I can control and I'm just going to keep controlling it. Yeah. Was there a point where you hit this, um, like peak or pinnacle of realizing how much mental energy you were taking in trying to control something that, well, maybe you couldn't? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were a lot of times my trainer that I hired in college, I mean, she was so, so incredible. I mean, as we know, a lot of trainers were like therapists. (laughs) She was like my second therapist, but um, she would constantly remind me of just like, the amount of energy I would spend obsessing about myself is so negative and no wonder, you know, I wasn't going to the gym and feeling good. I was always feeling awful. Cause I'm like, I hate my body. I hate myself. And, um, so there were, there were a lot of times that I felt this is so draining, but I wasn't at a place where I was willing to see what was on the other side of that yet. Yeah. So I would love to dig into that the juicy part like what <laughs> what happened in that shift and um could you talk us through like the steps you took or really what yeah, was yeah. the formula you know <laughs> for you anyways yeah it's interesting because in some ways I had to make a few steps back to make a few steps forward but it's always not it's not that entirely uncommon but um I remember so again, a lot of these things manifested as well in relationships for me. And so being in this really, really toxic relationship I was in before in college, towards the end of college, I didn't know like how to get out of it, even though I knew I needed to, I didn't believe in my own strength to get out. And so at the time, my trainer, I couldn't really continue to afford paying for her. You know, I'm like in college, (laughs) all this money, I'm like working out and she's like, you know, 
she had just done a fitness competition and she had recommended to me, why don't you join a fitness competition team? It's all women, all different ages. I think that you would really be inspired and empowered by these different women. Um, and so I thought to myself, you know what, like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. And this is really the first thing that I was doing, um, like for myself. Like, I remember when I signed up, you know, the last, like, you know, it's like, oh, you don't deserve to be doing that. Like, you could never get on stage. You know, you could never do any of those things. And to me, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to freaking do this. And so it was so inspiring to be around, you know, women in their 70s, women in their 50s. There were women in their 20s with me. I mean, all ages, all walks of life, saying yes to themselves and doing something out of their comfort zone. So that was the positive side of competing for me was like this constant uplifting of strong female energy. I mean, that's really like, I feel that that's where I even got into kind of what I'm doing now because yeah. it was such an amazing experience to connect with so many different women. And they just, every week, you know, we would uh, pose together, we would work out together. And it was just constant, like, you're amazing. You are so incredible. You have so much to offer. Look at your confidence. And I'm like, wow, I actually am pretty great. Yeah. And so that was a very positive stepping stone. And I got myself out of that relationship. And that was a very, very good positive shift for me. Mm. But on the flip side, so, you know, it took me a few steps forward in that way. But I will say that obviously, in some ways, competing, I was subconsciously uh, really feeding into my demons of, you know, obsessive working out, obsessive clean eating. And um, so that created a lot of challenges for me around my physique obsession and um, my relationship with food. So that would be the negative that kind of came from that experience. Yeah. What was like a typical week for you, like competing? Do you remember like what you were doing? Like what was in your head? Oh my God. I mean, I will say you learn so much about being disciplined, which has obviously translated into other areas of my life. But I would say when you do your first fitness competition, you don't know what to expect. So you're very open-minded. And that's exactly how I felt. I was like, you know what, this is, this is cool. Like, what is this all about? And at the time, I physique wise was someone that just needed to gain muscle. So if you look at competitors nowadays, you're always like, Oh, that's the best category to be in because you're not really, you're not restricting as much. It's a little more like, you know, let's start teaching how to strength train. Yeah. And so a, what a week looked like for me was, you know, I had programmed workouts. I mean, definitely six days a week. Typically there was one rest day. Um, and there was so much about, you know, the food sizing, um, really being disciplined with the choices you were eating, learning the timing of your food, which again, in some ways, you know, I, I don't disagree with everything, but so I learned a lot about that. A lot of time went into, you know, the meal prep, all those things. And then there was also the posing. So you go on stage and like seven inch clear, like stilettos and basically a song. And <laughs> oh, again, it's actually really empowering. So, you know, learning to I mean, I would go to my gym and like pose in the studio and that was like crazy to me because I'm like, wow, I used to like hide my body and like be ashamed. And actually this is really liberating. Yeah. So that's what a week would look like for me. 
Um, but it was after my first competition when I, number one, came in second place, which I was not expecting actually oh to well, which is great. Again, like at the time I needed that. So I do believe everything serves a purpose. I definitely needed that. But after that, it became a very, very challenging, slippery slope um, with diet and everything. Yeah, yeah. So do you think like that was the first time or one of the first times in your life after all the stuff that you've were talking about previously where you believed in yourself like and thought like fuck yeah, I can do something that I set my mind to? A hundred percent. I mean two like two thousand percent. It was just so liberating and empowering in that way. Um, and it was really emotional for me. I mean, everyone knows that when you go through these transformations emotionally, like it's, it's very emotional and it can be draining. And in some ways, I mean, I was crying constantly because it was like, I was shedding these layers that I didn't, I didn't know I had, I had a lot of demons that, right. Like I wasn't ready to face, but they were starting to come to surface because I was starting to put myself out there and empower myself and have people tell me, you know, you are worthy of all these things. And then to, to place in the show, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, here I am, my first show amongst a, an amazing lineup and just came in second place. And so that was really, really eye-opening in a good way of, you know, if I put my mind to something, like I can in fact do it. So that was definitely a positive that came from that. For sure. Well, before we d- dig into like the next, I guess, part of your story, I want to know, like, what do you think the impact is of your environment? Um, maybe for a fitness competition or like, you know, for the woman that's just in the gym or like trying to lose weight or like trying to get healthier. What do you like? Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's important to see who you're surrounding yourself with in those scenarios, if you're talking about your environment. So um, for me, when I was competing, it was obviously really important to be around women, especially in my first show that were like, nothing but lifting me up and encouraging me. Um, And even same with my friends. But then you also need to acknowledge, are you getting in scenarios where then there's like constant comparison and people are obsessing and judging you in a negative way? And it can be a fine line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I'm such a believer, and especially working in fitness now, I believe that the environment you want to put yourself in is an environment where you're going to leave and feel empowered. You're going to leave and feel like you succeeded, you accomplished something and that you feel stronger. You know, I never want anyone to come to a class or a session with me and feel like they can't achieve it. They left feeling like a quote unquote failure or that they didn't deserve to be in that space. And I think there can be those pressures, you know, in the gym, in fitness industry in general, in friend groups. Um, So you have to really learn who are the people and who's the environment that's really lifting you up in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, it's that quote, it's like, you're the, you're the equivalent of the five people you surround yourself with. And it's like, your willpower is only so strong, especially when you have limited calories, you know, like you got, you got to surround yourself with people that are supporting your goals or else burger to the face or, you know, exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, okay. That's, well, thank you so much, obviously, for, for getting vulnerable and sharing what you have so far. And I, I want to acknowledge, like, there's, it's so cool to dissect your story, right? As like all these, like, it's almost like chapters. Yeah. They have a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. And like looking back and seeing like lessons learned in each one and like takeaways. And so up till this point, like, what do you think was the, the biggest lesson for you in the competing and in like learning more about body dysmorphia and learning more about yourself and how you, how you thought? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess maybe I have like a two point answer to that with competing. The whole thing at the end of the day is you're being judged based off your physique, right? So in some ways it was so great for me to be empowered. But then again, I'm in the system that's rewarding me for putting myself basically through hell to get on that stage. Like, all right, you just got to, you know, 9% body fat. Congratulations. Now you're going to get a medal. So um, it reinforced a lot of negative uh, thoughts mm. that I was having about myself. And I think something I learned so much, and this took me, I mean, years, I am still learn in, in the process of learning this, but especially when you compete, um, you know, you take a lot of photos, right? You're taking photos every single week of your body. And then typically when you have a show coming up, you'll book a photo shoot because, you know, why not? I have six pack right now. My butt is like super perky. Like this is like the best I'm going to feel. I'm going to book a photo shoot. So I booked a lot of photo shoots actually. And I continued to do some like little fitness modeling even after I stopped competing. And I remember every single time that I went into a show or I went into a photo shoot, I would basically be like in tears for weeks right up until then because I hated my body so much and now to be years into like recovery let's say of this I look at those photos and I'm like first of all I can't believe how much hate I had towards a body that was so like strong and disciplined and really in some ways was in a survival mode for me at times and I needed it to be um but to also look back and realize like I wasn't happy then that was the biggest lesson I have learned is that when I had a quote unquote peak body, when I was chasing this perfect body for years, since probably I was 13 to literally 25, let's say, Mm -hmm. I was not happy. It didn't matter. Like, even when I had the perfect body in that moment, I wasn't happy. I was still depressed. I was still sad. I still didn't have a strong value for myself and to be on the other side of that now and to have learned that having such a quote unquote great body is going to make me so happy. is actually so untrue. Um, and that's been the most rewarding, most difficult, but most rewarding lesson to learn. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and it's like, now you can turn that struggle like into your message, which yeah. Maybe we can talk a little bit more now about like where you're currently at and and how you have managed to navigate that space, whether Mm -hmm. it be with your therapist or just through practice. Um, Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I am now in the practice of really learning to, I say, accept my body in the different stages of my life. So 
and that's something I really preach as a trainer, um, as an instructor. I used to put so much unnecessary pressure. I mean, no one was putting the pressure on me but myself. And everyone's going to have different seasons of their lives. So there are going to be certain seasons that my body is just different. Maybe my priority that season is really growing wildflower project or whatever it may be. I've learned to allow myself to like ease up a little bit. Like it's okay if I'm not working out seven days a week. It's okay. Like if, you know, my body looks a little different sometimes. And I talk a lot about that and what I do now because the fitness industry can encourage disordered eating and disordered viewpoints of yourself and at the end of the day you could like I said you can have a great body but if you don't have a if your mental health is not there then you are not quote-unquote healthy so you can stuff yourself with vegetables and protein and look the part but if you're not taking care of yourself mentally then you're not getting anywhere and so I just really learned throughout this whole long journey that I need to prioritize my mental health I need to prioritize the things that make me feel good and when I'm doing that, naturally, other things line up. Naturally, I want to move my body every day. Like naturally, I want to feel my body correctly because I'm in a place of love. I'm not in a place of hate, shame, or guilt. And oh my goodness, it's just so amazing to get to a place like this because it's hard. And so many of us, and you know, especially as women, society, you know, we were taught like to we've been taught so many mixed messages about our body. There's everyone, the guilt, the shame, too much exposure, not enough, too sexy, not enough. I mean, there's just constant mixed messaging. And so to just be in a place of like acceptance is really, really great. Yes. That word has been showing up so much for me lately with all my clients in my own life, like just like you touched upon it, taking the pressure off yourself and and just accepting what is and letting go of what you really can't control and just kind of being at peace with it. It's like taking off your own handcuffs. Like, why have I been wearing it for so damn long? (laughs) And then everything like works in synchrony together when you do that. I just, it's crazy to me that this was such a hard concept for me to really (laughs) realize for such a long time because it's like now I wake up and I want to go to the gym. I, w- I look forward to go seeing my trainers. I look forward to like honing in on my healthy eating habits now. It's just such a different place versus like it was so anxiety inducing and like oh, I have to get there and I have to burn this many calories. And like, it's just such a different place to be in, which is so nice. Yeah. What were some of the things that you did to like, to shift from operating out of the space of hate, right? Like where you were exercising to punish yourself or like eating little as possible to punish yourself versus eating to fuel your body, right? Or like make you feel good or working out Mm -hmm. to feel better. Uh, What were some of the things you did to shift out of the hate or the lack to the abundance or love? And yeah. So, I mean, first off, you know, I have an amazing boyfriend and he's, um, he's been dealing with these things since we met and has always been very supportive in the sense of, you know, you're not just your body. Like it was like a total reverse for me. You're not just your body. You're not just these things. You have other things to offer and I want you to take care of yourself and be a healthy person. So he was one of the first people that, um, 
when I was still doing this really restricting dieting and then binging, uh, when I was competing towards the end of my competition days was like, this is not, this is not healthy. And you are very emotional every time you compete. And I just don't think this is a good idea. Um, and you know, even in the moment I'm like, okay, screw off, but subconsciously I'm like, okay, (laughs) he's right. Um, and so I think obviously having a loving supportive partner has been so unbelievably beneficial for me in this scenario. And it's something I, I hadn't had before. Um, and I'm blanking on my second thought here, but I think, you know, having the support like that is really crucial to um, getting to the place you want to be and then also being willing to get uncomfortable. So I really moved mountains for myself mentally with my therapist and on my own. When I finally said the words to her, like, I want to get past this. I mean, that took me over 10 years to even say. Because again, it's scary to let go of something that you think makes you feel secure. And in my mind, even though it was negative, I, this was something I was like used to. It, it felt like something I could control. It felt like something that was protecting me in certain ways. And so to let go of that felt really, really scary. Like, what if I gain weight? What's going to happen? She's like, nothing's going to happen. It's okay. And so um, I had to be willing to go to that space. And it was last fall that I was finally like, I can't do this anymore. I can't bear this burden of hate anymore for myself. It's too heavy to hold. And I knew, um, you know, I'm in a place in my life where I'm thinking about getting married and wanting to start a family. And I just was like, I don't, Number one, I would never want my daughter to feel this the way I've been feeling, but I don't, I don't want to carry this anymore. I don't want this weight on my shoulders. And that was a very pivotal moment for me. Um, I had to dive really, really deep into a lot of emotional trauma that for, again, a long time, I was kind of just, you know, like touching the surface of it, but not really going into it. And so I had to really dive deep. I had to get uncomfortable. Um, I completely like changed everything I did about working out, my eating, um, having to realize that so much of it was emotionally driven and how to deal with those emotions. So it was hard. Um, It was very challenging for me, but it was necessary in order to come out on the other side stronger. Yeah. What were some of like the first things you did to shift that relationship that you had with food and exercise? I had to figure out like, what were they, why was I, um, especially with food was really challenging after I competed. And I had to figure out like, why am I reaching for really unhealthy food all the time? Like, why am I reaching for things that make me feel crappy? Why am I eating when I'm alone at home? Like, what are the reasons? And for me, um, you know, I would eat poorly because it was still that I didn't feel that I had this strong self-worth. So like I, it was like self-sabotage is essentially what it was. So, you know, I know this is bad for me, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I don't deserve to be healthy and deal with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of knew that was why I struggled with eating, but it was a hard concept for me to fully grasp that I'm still, in some ways I was so healthy mentally. So I thought, how could I still be doing this to myself? But um, that was like a very big aha moment. And 
realizing like I'm eating to make, I'm like eating till I'm sick. Like I'm binging and like literally getting sick. Mm-hmm. And why am I doing this? <laughs> I don't know, to make myself feel like shit. And so that was um, a, a big epiphany for me to actually vocalize it. And um, then with the working out, a lot of it was my controlling, like, of I need to do this and it's something I can control. And it was also um, my anxiety really would manifest into like, okay, I have so many things to do, but I need to focus on working out because it's something I can give my attention to and I can like obsess about, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I had a lot of obsessive tendencies, even just thinking about working out. Like I would obsess about all day, like, I need to get to the gym. I didn't get to the gym yet. When am I going to get to the gym? I need to burn so many calories. I need to do this. I need to do that. Um, And so realizing also what emotions of mine were fueling those fires. And once you figure that out, that's when you start to make the progress because you start to deal with those emotions. I started to learn how to cope with my anxiety better. Um, I started to deal with, you know, still feelings of self-worth that I was still really struggling with and had a hard time sharing about um, and having to share about them and certain suppressed memories I had had that I didn't feel like sharing for a long time. Um, So I had to do a lot of work, but the work is worth it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Have you ever heard that quote? It's like, if the rock you're carrying around is too heavy to carry, just put it down. I have, and it's such a, it's such a simple concept and it's so meaningful and powerful, but it's, wow, it's hard to do. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think, I think like your, your story has proved a really, really incredible point where it's like, you don't just, it's like the tipping point. If you read that book by Malcolm Gladwell, right? It's like, it's not just the one action that's like, Oh, I just had this realization. I had this aha breakthrough. It's like all of the little actions that have slowly been moving the dial. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, and it forces you really like that break, that breakdown forces you to have that breakthrough, which is absolutely. And being on the other side of that, like, how does it feel to be in the place you're at right now? It feels so great. And it really, um, I mean, it feels amazing, honestly. And it's allowed me to really grow into who I believe I am meant to be and evolve into who I'm meant to be. Um, I take so much pride in the work I do in fitness with women. And it's, it's so great that I had these struggles and these experiences because I'm able to now work with women that might be feeling similarly or may have had that same experience, or maybe are just going into it. And to number one, be like, I see you, like, I get you, I feel you, I've been there. They, people, people think like, if you work in fitness, you got it all together, right? Like, you got the six pack, like, these are the stereotypes. And I think for me to be someone that's very, like, relatable, has been, um, it's been so rewarding for me personally, in this fitness journey, um, and working with other women. And it's also, my experiences are what led me to creating Wildflower Project, honestly, because I realized that all these issues I was having were around my mental health and situations I had been in and trauma and so many things that you don't 
see enough people talking about, especially in person. Mm-hmm. And I just started sharing about it because it was helping heal me. And that was so powerful when I could share and someone else in the room said, oh my God, I feel the exact same way as you. And I never, I never thought I'd even say that in a group. And it's just been so rewarding and it's been really healing for me um, to be doing that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that is one of your biggest gifts, Izzy. And I, I say that because I think that's what almost um, connected us was the relatability, right? And it's like feeling empowered and strong enough to share the story that was so hard to live Mm -hmm. and being on the other side of that. I think that it's, it's like, that is how you find meaning in your life, right? It's like, what have you done to overcome and how can you use that to serve other people? And I see that for you. Like, I see that greatness in you when you speak and when you talk about your, all of the things you've, you've dealt with. Right. And, and I know like for our live event, it was so beautiful. Like when you opened up and shared, shared with all of the women at this event, you guys, like we hosted an event and there was like, what, like 20 women. And we just like went around the room talking about all of the hard things. And there's something so powerful in connection like that because it's so rare especially on social media you know like absolutely it's and you leave and you feel I never knew before that like feeling sharing something vulnerable or challenging for me actually empowered me and the same goes for all those people I think everyone left that room that night being like wow I actually feel really good I feel really strong I feel really empowered I feel seen yeah. Um, it's so important. Yeah. And like, that's our, that's our need, right? Like a funder, a fundamental human need is to feel loved and seen and heard, understood. And so it's like, like, like kind of what we talked about at the beginning, like you expressing what you did helped me give, per, basically give permission to myself to share even more. Like I've shared a lot. I, I talk about, I share my shit all over the internet, you know? Yeah, you're very but, good at sharing. Yeah, like, and sometimes it's probably a lot for some people, and that's great, but I think it gives people permission to not only feel the things they do, but to do, you know, or to have done, or to just let go of that guilt and shame of feeling like they're the only person that's struggled through that, you know? Right, exactly. Oh, I love that. Um, what do you think your greatest um, strength is? I think my greatest strength is connection with people. Um, And it's funny because when I was really struggling years and years ago, I would have probably said that was my weakness, Mm -hmm. but I think it's been something that's become such a a strength of mine over the years. And and I get so fulfilled by um, connecting with others. I love it. Yeah. I love that too. What would you suggest for everyone listening? Like if they are, if they're feeling the way that you once did, um, what are some tools or maybe a first step that they could take in order to start becoming the person they want to be? Great question. Um, I always recommend a therapist, but that's not the top of your list. Um, something that really helped me, and it's not even a cliche, it really helped me to journal and write down how I was feeling that day um, and try to figure out like consistent themes that were showing up for me it's easy in the moment to be like, Oh, I'm feeling really upset today. And I like, you know, I binged aid or I hate my body. Um, but when you can actually put, you know, your thoughts to paper and then be able to read back and look at, you know, the snapshot of your week 
for example, and see um, how your emotions were feeling, what were the scenarios that were going on, what were the triggers, I think it gives you a different viewpoint of yourself and it allows you to start building blocks off that of, okay, all right, this is a theme that was really triggering to me, or this was something that happened this week that was really hard for me. Let me try to dive in a little deeper as to maybe why that showed up. Um, I just found that that was really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I write a lot. I write every morning and I, I do the same thing. You, you touched upon it briefly, but I think something that you guys can like take away as homework even is like identify the emotions that are uncomfortable for you. So I know yeah. for me personally, boredom, I get really uncomfortable when I'm bored. Like I, yeah. it's so hard for me to be bored. And another one uh, is feeling like lonely or not wanted. Um, yeah, I can relate. And then overwhelmed. Those are like my big three, I'd say. And yeah. so it's, it's only through writing and, and just awareness, right? Like self-awareness is the best tool ever. Like yeah. that's going to be the thing that that's the first step in order to change because you have to be aware. Absolutely. So yeah, you touched upon that is like identify common emotions that come up for you. Like what are those things? Maybe for you, it's like, I don't know, you, you stress eat, right. Or like, mm-hmm. overwhelmed or God, there's so many, there's so many things that you can like shame, guilt, um, anything. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Identifying the feeling and, you know, again, I think to seeing a therapist is really helpful, but I also think, you know, tackling it like week by week, you know, it, w- it would have been way too much for me to be like, all right, I'm never going to binge eat again this year. And like, I'm never going to do this and that I, I would tackle it week by week. So what can I do this week? That's going to feel like a victory for me mentally and emotionally. And sometimes that would be like saying no to something or like, you know what, I'm actually going to take yoga instead of spin. Mm. Like, let me just see what that does for me mentally. And so I, I agree. Once you identify what's going on, how can you hone in and try to work through that emotion? Yes. I love that. That's, that is a huge tool. And it's, it's really powerful in order for, to have a breakthrough is recognizing those patterns. Cause it's all, it's just a habit, right? It's just a habitual thought that ends yep. up into an action. And that's 90 to 95% of our, our thoughts are subconscious. So when you can start to recognize that pattern, and make the shift, I think like what you said, it's, you can do it. You can change. Absolutely. So, that's amazing. Oh man, this has been absolutely incredible. I, I'm so happy we did this and I just I know, thank too. you like so much for sharing. Cause I know like, you know, you're, you're removed from it now and that you can look at it and almost give yourself grace and compassion. And, but I know it's not easy to talk about. Right. So mm-hmm. I just want to acknowledge your bravery and courage in sharing it. And I know mm-hmm. that your story is going to change people's lives. Um, whether it be on my podcast or any you know, <laughs> people that are in your life, I think it's, very, very courageous of you. So I'm so grateful I was able to share. This was, I mean, really, it's an honor. Yes, of course. And you guys, if you are not already um, following Izzy, I'll put a link to all of her stuff in the show notes so that you can go and follow her. Um, What are you, what are you up to in the next few months with Wildflower Project and just like with life in general? Yeah. So Currently, um, if people are wondering my whereabouts, you can always find me. I teach at Burnin by Ray in Belmont, so I'm out in the burbs. And then I also teach at Flywheel in the city, so that's where I teach classes right now. And, you know, with Wildflower Project, there's some exciting things coming up. Um, I am going to be a panelist on, on International Women's Day, this big event 
taking place in Wakefield, um, sponsored by the Sweat Republic. So that's really exciting. And we're going to be talking a lot of topics like this, um, you know, different topics, career, entrepreneurship, a lot of things. Um, and again, check out Wildflower Project. I'm always actively um, looking for different opportunities to put events together. And the next topic we'll really be honing on is grief. Um, and grieving. There's been a big request for that. So I'm really looking forward to um, putting that together, hopefully in February or March. Oh, I love that. Oh, I'm going to go check it out. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, so exciting. Um, okay. So really quick, let's do, we're going to do a fun little round robin of questions and then, okay. and then we'll wrap up. Um, okay. So what is your favorite food? I mean, hands down, it's coffee Oreo ice cream. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, my God. I could bathe in it. <laughs> I can't really eat it much because my stomach, like, yeah. Dairy is not great for me, but I love it. This may be the same answer, but if there could be a food that was zero calories, what would it be? <laughs> yeah, it would probably be coffee Oreo ice cream. <laughs> All right. Favorite uh, place traveled to? Italy. Just went and it was just oh, yeah, you're unbelievable. Oh my God. I was talking about you. I'm like, this girl, I'm so jealous of you. It's so incredible. The culture, the food. I mean, it's just amazing. Oh yeah. I'm daydreaming over here now. <laughs> um, favorite word? Hmm. Authenticity. Oh, okay. All right. I like that one. That's good. <laughs> uh, favorite exercise? Ooh, I get asked this a lot. I weirdly love bicep curls. <laughs> you can see, like, it's like instant feedback, which I like. It's like, oh, there's my muscle, and I can see it, like, moving and working. And, you yeah. know, I feel strong in that it's position. There. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, Popeye arms. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about your least favorite? Ooh. The move I'm struggling the most with is squatting. It's a very tough exercise to get in proper form for. And I, I got tight hips and tight ankles. So yeah, <laughs> squat. <laughs> yeah. Squats are, squats used to be my favorite. Now they're probably my least. They're just kind of like, yeah. Eh, yeah. yeah that's, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? Good question. I really want to have positive impact um, on women and and about these topics really we've talked about and encouraging people to share more openly about mental health and have less judgment. Um, I I want to have a legacy of being someone that really encourages people to do that, helps people break barriers for that reason, and to educate and provide resources for our youth because when I was struggling there at the time really felt like there was nobody that understood me besides a therapist and that should not be the case. Um, so that's something that I feel really strongly about offering. I love that. I'm excited to see what you do. It's going to be, it's going to be great. I think there's so much room for that in that space too, you know, like the mental yeah. space in you know elementary school, middle school, even early high school. Absolutely. Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do. Oh, Izzy, Yay, so great. So great. I'm, so, yes, I'm so happy we were able to make this happen. And you guys go follow her. What's your um, Instagram handle? 
So my Instagram is izzy.atkinson. And then you can also check me out. I do videos every Monday at Wildflower Project. Um, little mental health tips every week. Cool. Awesome. Yes, you guys go follow Izzy. She is bright white and will make you feel less alone in anything you're struggling with. So yes. Oh, love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be on. And I know we will be talking soon. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, Sam. Bye. Alrighty, that wraps up another episode of the Balance with Sam podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And, oh my god, isn't Izzy's story just absolutely incredible? The way that she talks about her body image and her dysmorphia and just the disordered view of herself and her identity, I can so relate to. I know that so many times I have associated my worth with my body or with my image and, you know, it it really does start to create this mayhem. And so if you are struggling with that, I hope that this episode has helped you see that you can totally break through. I think number one is to take some of the pressure off yourself and remind yourself it's okay and that you've done the hard things and you can get past this. And also just reframing yourself and and really starting to be aware of when those negative emotions pop up, starting to see those trends and recognizing that change can happen, but it has to come from you. So thank you again for tuning in. Thank you so much for Izzy to sharing her story and just being vulnerable and courageous and brave and showing up and saying the things that she needs to say. And I hope that it's going to help you in your journey, 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 (laughs) and that you have the most impactful week coming out of listening to this episode. I love you so much. If this episode was helpful, please screenshot it and tag me in your stories at Salty Lifts or head over to the iTunes store and leave me a review. I love hearing from y'all. All right. Have an amazing rest of your day and I will catch you on the next episode.